and welcome to Red Couch Manx. I'm Vivek Jacob, joined by Carl Mascarenas, and today we are breaking down Manchester United's 3-1 win over Burnley. Mason Greenwood with two goals in the 48th and the 84th. That turned out to be the winning goal. Cavani sealed it in the 93rd uh, for the 3-1 scoreline. James Tarkowski got one that leveled the scores initially at 1-1 for Burnley. Carl, another three points in the bag. You have to be feeling good about United's uh, place in the top three at the very least, if not the top two. Absolutely, especially also with that result over the weekend where West Ham surprisingly lost to Newcastle 3-2, mm-hmm. uh, opening up that fourth spot once again for the likes of Chelsea, Liverpool and Co. But uh, yeah, to answer your question, feeling pretty good, to be honest, Vivek. Uh, we're opening up a gap with Leicester, who have a tough run in as well. And you know what? United now, the narrative is slightly changing from looking below them to looking above them. I know I'm being a Single little digits. Off. Yeah, single digits, which, uh, you know, you look at this Manchester City team who have been leaps and bounds ahead of everybody in terms of quality, in terms of play. In, and what was that winning streak at? Like 20 plus winning yep. games in a row? Like that? that that's unheard of in, in this day and age. And so... For us to only be eight points behind that type of team shows you the progress that has been made by uh, Manchester United this season. No question. And 11 points clear of fourth place West Ham. You want to avoid the couple of those uh, qualification games for the Champions League and wrap up that guaranteed spot. You look at the run-in of fixtures Leicester City have to finish the season. It's looking good for United if they can keep on keeping on. Carl, you know, in terms of keeping on, keeping on, I was looking at our episodes and at a very maximum, like we are into the countdown now. At a very maximum, we will have 10 episodes left, including this one. The only fixture that can be added to the calendar is possibly now a Europa League final. If that's not there, then we've got nine, including this one. But yeah, firmly into the countdown. The next episode will be our 50th. So uh, it's been a fun run for sure. Definitely. And you know what? It just goes to show how many games United have played this season. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. In a very short space of time. Because we started this, what? the Towards the end of October, I want to say. And yeah. yeah, those fixtures have come thick and fast. Specifically on this one, let's look at the starting lineups like we always do. United... Always in the 4-2-3-1. Burnley opted for a 4-5-1. We'll get into that a bit later. We thought that Pogba should partner Scott McTominay deeper uh, in that 2-CDM role. And then you have, obviously, the likes of Cavani up top. You needed that size. Ole didn't see it that way. He went with Scott and Fred. How much do you think that impacted the performance we saw in the first half? Because United still did create a few chances definitely affected the tempo of the game you could see that our our moves are a little bit more labored and Burnley were playing much deeper in the second half you saw that open up a bit and then you just saw Marcus Rashford take it to another level I don't know what he had for breakfast today Mm. but uh, he he was in the mood to nutmeg absolutely everybody I think he tried it at least three different times he succeeded on two and then you saw that audacious piece of skill that he had in the box where he he faked one way and went the other way with his... The elastico. 
Elastico, exactly. Ronaldinho, uh, shout out there. And then absolutely burnt the defender. Couldn't find Cavani, but he was in the mood today. And, and that was all because we were able to get the ball to him early. And he was able to run in behind that Burnley defense, which wasn't happening in the first half. Yeah, I'm always curious to see how Marcus Rashford can fare in that role as the striker up top. Obviously, with Scott and Fred in the defensive midfield positions, they had Pogba on the left, Bruno centrally, Mason Greenwood out wide on the right. But you did see Rashford drift out to his preferred position, pick up the ball and make those runs. We saw Pogba drift centrally. In fact, early on, uh, as early as the 10th minute, we talk about surprise things that we see. Aaron Wan-Bissaka sends in a really good cross and Pogba gets on the end of it. A really good save. I'm going to call him BPF because uh, it's it's a long name that he's got. Baby Peacock Farrell. (laughs) So we'll call him BPF for this match. Uh, really good save from BPF. He, he made quite a few good saves in this one. Maybe a, a possible noisy neighbor. We can discuss that later. One thing with Rashford, you know, we know that comfort he has on the left. But even with that being the case, we saw some really good runs, some central striker type runs to get in behind in behind the defense. It's just a shame that we didn't quite have the quality deep in our midfield to get the ball to him. You know, Vivek, you make a good point because if you were just watching that game and not paying too much attention to Marcus Rashford's runs, what might stick in your memory is that, okay, Rashford wasn't very active in that first half. He barely got on the ball. He didn't impact it. You know, he needs to do better in the second half. But upon further analysis, and I thought Ian Wright and Alan Shearer did a good job at halftime, they showcased a couple of the runs that Rashford made, which were very intelligent, trying to get in behind, and we just weren't able to find him. Bruno wasn't able to spray it, his 40, 50-yard passes to get Rashford in play. Neither was Pogba. And so if you dig a little deeper, Rashford was making the runs, just wasn't found. And so you know he, he probably had some words to say at halftime to get his teammates to to give it to him a little bit more. And you saw that in the second half. And so... These are some of the things where I think we need to give a little bit more credit to to our guys, especially when they're making the effort. Yeah, completely agree with you. First half, you know, the one thing I will say is Burnley, it wasn't like they just sat back. I think United, when uh, they were able to get through Burnley, it was more so actually on the counter when they were able to change gears quickly and get up the pitch and play some quick one-twos or get it up to Rashford and then he makes a run but Burnley on those whether it was a set piece or whether it was those long balls they were a real problem and Wood especially like he looked a threat throughout the match really posing problems for our central defenders that's my noisy neighbor by the way (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm with you with that one could have arguably had a goal in the in the first minute we can have a debate on whether that should be offside. Obviously, by the rules, that's definitely offside. Yeah. Um, but, boy, was that close. Maybe one thing we can discuss, because it was a theme throughout the course of the match, is Henderson's judgment when it comes to coming out. And I thought twice there was that one that was offside, and there was one later in the second half where he came out and he clattered into Victor Lindelof. And I'm just wondering, 
what on earth are you coming out for? Absolutely. I completely agree with you. I mean, he had the hat on, maybe the sun got in his face and into his head because he had no business coming up for that one. Lindelof had that covered and headed it away. But I mean, if it had gone to a Burnley player, they had an open net to just slot it in. So I think his over eagerness to maybe show one of the differences between him and David De Gea uh, got the better of him. If he just sticks to his normal positioning, he's completely fine. I can understand if you're playing against a super fast team who can get in behind our slow defenders. Yes, you know, you need to come out a little bit more often as a sweeper keeper. He didn't have to do that in this situation because the likes of Chris Wood or Brownhill or any of those guys, Goodmanson, they're not fast enough to cause us problems from that area. So stay in your net. (laughs) I will say again, the ball distribution was generally very good from Henderson. There was one ball in particular in the first half. I believe it was right after Pogba had that chance with the header. Henderson sends it long. And I feel like if Bruno actually anticipated it getting through, if he just never broke his stride stride in his run, he would have got to it. And he would have been one-on-one with the keeper. He just lost that bit of expectation that it would get to him. And so he slowed down that little bit and it goes through to the keeper. But overall, you know, I, I will say it was a solid performance from Henderson. But those two glaring mistakes that he made, he's very lucky that it didn't cost him. And something to keep in mind, whenever there's a new kid on the block, they always have, you know, a good return initially not always the good ones have a good return but then opposing teams do their analysis in the offseason and they pick out weaknesses right now if they've identified this as a weakness of dean henderson it's going to get exposed a lot more next year this happened to david Gea when they found out that he's not good at corners and so crowding him can lead to mistakes and then you saw that in the seasons afterwards where that was being exposed and david had to work on that he did he became a lot better at it. So something for Dean Henderson in the offseason also to keep an eye out because he's going to probably get exposed a lot more on those long balls coming in. Now, if United address their centre-back issues with somebody with a lot of pace, then maybe he's not going to get exposed anymore because he's going to get told to, hey, just sit in net. We've got somebody who can cover this. Right. So uh, this leads me to a question I have for you, Vivek. Mm-hmm. Now, it, our team is at a point where if we get the right signings, we could really transform ourselves into, I want to say, title contenders. Okay? Now, where do you think the gaps are in our squad today? And who would you prioritize? The gaps are, I think, pretty clear for everyone to see. There's a need at center back alongside Harry Maguire. There's a need at CDM. There's a need on the right wing long term because I see Mason Greenwood as the central striker long term. And there's a need at striker. So basically, one of those, I think, has to be addressed. Not So, for example, if you were to get a Harry Kane or an Erling Haaland, then Mason Greenwood just stays on the right. And to me, that's, that's good enough. So you can take your pick between striker and right wing for me. In terms of what the priority should be, I think it absolutely has to be the center back position or the CDM. Because... We've seen how much the center back position can also impact the need for a great CDM. When you have two center backs who need cover, that's when Solskjaer keeps resorting to 
Fred and Scott in front of them to protect them. But if you get that center back with pace, with good control of the ball, with good vision, then that lowers the need for a really great CDM. So I feel like one of those two has to be the priority over a striker or a right winger. You make an excellent point, Vivek. I've been thinking about this. And, you know, one of our constant gripes that we have, and I think today's game is a wonderful example, there is no need for two CDMs in a game like this. You do not need to have Scott and Fred. And that was shown in the second half when Fred was taken off. Pogba came in that position. Okay, he played deep for the first, I would say, 15, 20 minutes and then was probably given instructions, hey, you need to go a little further up the pitch because we need Mm -hmm. a goal, right? Now... I think for United to go to the next level in terms of the Champions League, in terms of the league, they need to have flexibility into for, in formations. They cannot just stick to a 4-2-3-1. There are games where they're going to have to play 4-1-4-1. Right now, Ole does not have faith in playing that because of the players at his disposal. So I think that they need, if it was me, they have to prioritize centre-back as a, be- a first move, right? And then... What happens is if they can get a CDM that has ball distribution when they win the ball, we're going to be a completely different beast altogether. Agreed. 100% with you. And if if we're able to get that center back that complements Harry Maguire, so that person's got to be good in the air, it's got to be fast, and it's got to be able to intercept the ball. So basically, mm-hmm. I'm talking about a Rio Ferdinand. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Rio, uh, you know, you, you're looking pretty fit on all those IG posts, on all those uh, post-match analysis. <laughs> There's got to be some got... some kid who looked up to Rio and wanted to become <laughs> a Rio. We got to just find that. that, that yeah, as, as I've said before, basically, you know, you want an upgraded version of Eric Bailly. Yes, I will be very happy if United are able to get the center back, and we've, we've got a couple that they've been looking at. And my number one pick for CDM is Declan Rice. If we can mm. get Declan Rice, we are heading into a different stratosphere, according to me. Yeah, I, I think Declan Rice would be a terrific addition. You know, one thing I, I quickly want to add in terms of scouting the European market and finding that talent that can fit into United. We had talked about Holland versus Kane on the last episode and we can sometimes I think for most of us who consume the Premier League can look at the Bundesliga and judge it as sort of a weaker league and maybe you know those transfers might not fare so well in coming to the Premier League but when you think about some of the top players that have come to the Premier League in recent times from the Bundesliga I mean there's Kevin De Bruyne, there's Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, there's Hyungmin Song, there's Roberto Firmino, there's Ilkay Gundogan, there's Siongchu who went to Leicester. They've all come from the Bundesliga. So if you can get a lower fee on a talent that is really showcasing himself there, I think by all means, and for all the dominance that Holland has shown in both Germany and in the Champions League, I have... I wouldn't use the Bundesliga in terms of the, that perspective on the league uh, to sort of bring 
someone's potential down. And Vivek, to some of those fans listening today and wondering, hey, what is wrong with you guys? We definitely need a center forward. You can see that that's definitely an area of improvement for us. Well, once again, today's game, Rashford, how many runs did he make where he didn't get found? You can have the best striker there, Harry Kane, Holland, But if you can't get a person to play to him quick enough so that he can do damage, there's no point in having all that money invested up front. And to be clear, I would just add that we are absolutely saying that the striker position is a need. We are just saying it might not be the top need of this club right now. Absolutely. And you know funds are also going to be an issue. United's been sliding down that Forbes list of most valuable teams. And that in part has to do with the fact that there's no fans coming into the stadium. There's nobody buying our merchandise, right? So all those things add up in terms of lack of revenue being generated. No question. Now, we move to the second half of the Burnley match. Straight away, Ole says, enough of this. Fred, you're coming off. Edinson Cavani, we need that your presence in the match. Two minutes later, we see United get the ball in the back of the net. And it's... A special, incredible Marcus Rashford run on the left. He squares it for Bruno, who dummies it for Mason Greenwood. And first time, Greenwood slots it into the back of the net. Just a brilliant, precise United counterattack vintage. Vivek, one of the things we've been urging Marcus Rashford to do is to get his head up when he gets in behind the defense. Not take too long. You know, make the right pass. Don't always shoot when you don't have it. And he did all of those things. He got past his guy, looked up, saw Bruno Fernandes, played it in early. And then Bruno with absolute nonchalance to dummy that ball. And then almost, you know, in basketball terms, when you take a shot and you just start walking away because you know it's going in. He just did one of those where it went to Mason and he didn't even look. He started walking away. Because he knew Mason's going to finish it. I just love the confidence in that play. <laughs> yeah, that's that swagger. Uh, some would say a Canton a collar swagger, but I think I think we've got quite a few debates to be had with that one. Now, the joy from that goal was extremely short-lived. Burnley go up the pitch. They get themselves a corner. And it's James Tarkowski who heads it into the back of the net. Where does your disappointment lie in that one? Do you just credit? I mean, Burnley, you have to give them credit because whether it was the set pieces, whether it was those long balls, it was extremely difficult to cope with. And we know how good Maguire generally is in the air. Obviously, Lindelof has his weaknesses, but clearly both were struggling to cope with it in this one. Maguire seemed to be looking for a foul a little bit. I don't, I'm not sure what he was upset about. Maybe he was just cons- mad about the goal. I'm a little confused with Aaron Juan Misaka being the one to initially be on Tarkowski. But where where does your disappointment lie with that concession? So I don't think it's Maguire's fault at all. I think when you have zonal marking, one of the key advantages of that is momentum breaker. Mm-hmm. You do not let the opposition players get any momentum because they've got to run through a lot of players. In this situation, James Tarkovsky had the run of the 30-yard box. Nobody was in his way. Aaron Wan-Bissaka was clearly overmatched in terms of muscle. So your point on why was he marking him in the first place is a fantastic one. It almost looked like one of those situations where they said, okay, Wan-Bissaka, in terms of the zonal marking, you're covering the far post. As opposed to saying, hey, 
Scott, switch with me. This guy's just going to eat me up for lunch. Yeah. And it just looked like he just shoved him off and was able to run in. And then at that point, when you got a guy who's a pretty big lad running and jumping Mm -hmm. versus Harry Maguire, who's stationary and jumping, there's only one winner in that situation. And that is the reason why Tarkovsky was able to get into the back of the net. Somebody's got to stop him from making that straight run into the box. I'm totally with you. That meant it was a totally different game from there. 1-1, everything to play for. I wouldn't say there were many great chances after that. And it took a bit of earning your luck, I would say, on Mason Greenwood's part in the 84th minute where off a corner, United do well to maintain possession and they work it around. They recycle it all the way back to Mason Greenwood Mm -hmm. on that right side. He sets himself up, smashes it with his left. It takes a deflection off the defender, off uh, Cork, I believe, and goes into the back of the net. And to me, yeah, that that is the definition of earning your luck because he has been putting in the hard yards. He's been doing so many things right for, I would say, a couple of months now and absolutely deserved uh, that goal. There were other times where he's deserved a goal and hasn't got gotten it. And so maybe this was one of those situations where you say, oh, it's an unlucky deflection. But hey, that's the way the game goes. Mason Greenwood, four goals in three games. There's something about him and a run into the season. He did this at the end of last year as well. Yes, it was the pandemic. And so our run-in was actually in July as opposed to April. He's doing it again. And I 100% agree with you. He is manufacturing his own luck. It's very easy to not take a shot because you got a lot of bodies in front of you. But he took that shot. He had the confidence in his left foot. He's like, I'm going to hit the target and come what may. And that's exactly what happened. You saw an earlier example where Marcus Rashford had a chance to take a shot. He deked one, he deked two, he deked three. Didn't end up taking a shot. He went out to Luke Shaw. We lost some momentum, right? So you got to give credit to Mason for actually do, taking that shot. Is he your Canton caller? Yeah, you know what? The whole time watching that game, it was Marcus Rashford for me. But then obviously him getting taken off a little earlier opened the door for someone else to put in a performance. And I think Mason Greenwood did that. You even look at the Cavani goal. Mason Greenwood gets that ball after Cavani passes it to him takes maybe one, two touches, and then releases it to Bruno. That was very important to get that third goal. So, yes, Cantona caller, Mason Greenwood. Okay, okay. We've got a bit of a debate here because I think even despite Rashford's substitution, I thought his impact on the game, which could have been even greater as we saw with those runs that he was missed out on, I thought this was a special performance from him. So, yeah, I I know... Greenwood is the one with the stats. He's got the two goals. But Marcus, to me, was just outstanding. He, he was. He was. And th- the reason why I'm going with Greenwood is... Okay, so Greenwood doesn't get that first goal if it wasn't for Marcus's brilliance. Or Bruno's. <laughs> yeah. Uh, at the end of the day, Greenwood had to put in the back of the net. And he, he did that with aplomb on the first goal. The second goal, you know what? He, he still had a lot of work to do. And he had to have the confidence. And then you look at the third goal as well. Him making that run in the 91st, 92nd minute. And then, hey, he's on a hat trick, right? He could have been selfish and Mm -hmm. gone for it himself. But he laid it off and he gave it to his pal, Cavani, to finish it off. Through Donny van de Beek, of course. But I think for just that presence of mind for the 19-year-old, that's one of the reasons why I thought Mason did a good job. 
I think you've won me over, Carl. We, we can go with Mason. And just that last point you made, especially because remember when it seemed like he was forcing the issue and he was really shooting when the shot wasn't there. And we were saying, hey, just let the game come to you a bit more. When the pass is there, just make the pass. Trust that the goals will come inevitably because you're so clinical in front of the net. Mm-hmm. And it seems like the more he's done that, the more the goals have come. Yeah, it's 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 ironic, right? Maybe you... You stop going for the goals, and then the goals start coming. <laughs> so, yeah. I, you know what? And just a quick shout-out. Donny Vanderbeek's putting together some nice cameos of late. Oh, absolutely. He, he comes in late. I was absolutely certain as soon as that ball got to him that he was going to be squaring it, that there was no shot coming. <laughs> but, hey, as a striker, it makes your job easy, right? It just means that you, you know that the ball is going to come. You just get yourself into position. So Vivek, the, the rollicking that Cavani gave Scott McTominay for not putting it in first time. I think uh, Donny van der Beek wanted to be as far away from that as possible. <laughs> so <laughs> he, he chose the right option. He also got absolutely crunched by Tarkovsky on his ankle earlier where uh, Tarkovsky yes. got booked. So uh, it was good to see that Donny was back up and, you know, uh, playing after that. Congrats to Donny, his first ever assist for Manchester United in the Premier League. So hopefully uh, we see many more of those. In terms of the Beckham boot, was there anyone that stood out to you with a poor performance? Obviously, you know, Solskjaer might have literally given him the Beckham boot at halftime and kept him off <laughs> with Fred. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Beckham boot for today? You know, I can't pick a player. I didn't think anybody was 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 bad in today's performance. Looked a little heavy-legged. If anything, I thought just the starting lineup and formation was was wrong. And so mm. I know this might be a little harsh, but if anybody deserves any blame for today, it's Ole. <laughs> Keeping in mind that we, we did win the game 3-1. <laughs> yes, he did. At, at least inevitably, he made the adjustment that, uh, as you said, we called for in the starting lineup itself when we predicted uh, our lineups in the last episode. This is going to be a tough one. Like you said, I agree. It's it's harsh, especially when United get a solid performance in and a solid win to give it to a United player. I mean, the other one who could get it, uh, now that I just think about it, is Dean Henderson. He made, yeah. he made two gaffes. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe that's the way to go. Because uh, you look at Wood, if he just makes his move a split second later, it's 1-0 for Burnley in the first minute of the match. And now that changes the tempo completely. And then early in the second half, 54th minute, he comes out again unnecessarily. That could have been a bad situation for United. So creating danger where there really is none. Like your job as a keeper, most games, is to be as anonymous as possible. There's obviously going to be those nights where you're absolutely needed and you need to make some spectacular uh, saves and get in the headlines. But... Most times, your job is to be anonymous. And Henderson did his absolute best, including that <laughs> red cap, uh, to make sure he was noticed in this match. So, yeah, I, I can get behind that. Maybe Beckham boot goes to uh, Dean Henderson. Yeah, and, and just to put it into perspective, if David De Gea is making those mistakes, I guarantee you there would be a lot more noise about those errors yeah i i can definitely agree with you with that but <laughs> we we know one thing david de Gea is not coming out of net so <laughs> he's definitely not making those errors 
good point, Vivek. So then, noisy neighbor, is this an easy one? Is this uh, Chris Wood all day? You have any other? You know, if there's maybe one other that that I'll give credit to, it w- it would be Tarkowski mm-hmm. because again, I thought he was a threat throughout. And if you look at where United were threatening from, it was always out wide. It was Rashford, you know, going up against Lowton. It was Mason Greenwood going up against Taylor. And so I don't think Tarkowski did anything wrong uh, defensively in terms of where I would look at and say, okay, you know, that's that's a negative. But overall, you know, I, I think Wood takes it by a landslide. I think especially as a striker where you know in a, in a match like this, you're not going to get that many opportunities. You have to really, really work for the team. Like even even if it wasn't getting on the end of, of those long balls to create a chance, his hold-up play was excellent too. And so, yeah, I have no issues with giving it to Wood. His reading of the balls in the air and where they're going to bounce is just fantastic. He, he always seems to be... He's not the fastest guy, but he seemed to be getting in behind Juan Bissaka and just getting to the ball faster because he knew where it was going to bounce and how far so i was very impressed with that one thing that really impressed me with his hold-up play is oftentimes you will see a lot of strikers they're in that battle they're in that battle where the defender is right there and they've got to make a split second decision and to your point wood was so good at anticipating those balls that it seemed like we backed off him Mm -hmm. but that wasn't the case he was just so ahead of it that he's getting there so clearly first it's better to just back off yeah and play the second ball yeah exactly and so full credit to him for his performance i think that just about wraps it up for this match we can move on to the next match for united which will be in a week's time it's not often we say that united will play uh, against leeds united should be a fun, fun fixture. We know how fun the first one was. Are we expecting more goals? What's your, if I were to give you an over/under of five and a half for goals in this in the upcoming fixture against Leeds? What would you say? Five and a half, I'd probably go under because I think that's that's a lot. If you had said, I'm saying between half, both sides. I'm saying between both sides. I think I can easily see this game being a a three-two. Okay. Okay, 4-2. I can probably get on board with that as well. Uh so <laughs> That's why I put it there. <laughs> that's a that's a good that's a good line you got there Vivek. I think uh I think the odds makers can can benefit from that quite a bit. <laughs> but yeah, with with Leeds, we know what to expect from Marcelo Bielsa's team. It's going to be a firecracker of a game, I think, because both sides, I don't think we'll have anything to hide. Leeds, they're obviously safe uh, in the standings. United looking all the more comfortable. And for a change, they'll be well-rested. So I really think this could be one of the most fun matches that we watch all year. Yes, I think it's going to be, uh, as some people say, a slobber knocker. <laughs> <laughs> Lineup-wise, I would assume the back five stays the same, including the goalkeeper, I mean. Uh, so Henderson, Juan Bissaka, Maguire, Lindelof, Shaw. Any changes beyond that? Obviously, the last time we saw Scott and Fred play, but we saw Scott really take initiative and move up the pitch and obviously get those couple of goals. 
Do you see something similar happening this time around? Yeah, I think Scott and Fred are going to play again. You need that mobility. You need the guys who can run back and forth because Leeds, they're, they're the fittest team in the league, I think. And so they're going to make you run, that's for sure. And you know their philosophy. doesn't matter if you play striker. It doesn't matter if you play left or right back. You're bombing up the pitch as soon as you get it. So you've got to have the defensive coverage to take care of that. As you know, that our center backs are a little slow when balls are played in behind them. So Scott and Fred, for me, once again, you've got Pogba, Bruno, Rashford, Cavani all playing. I mean, this Who is are you leaving out? If you, if you got Scott and Fred, you're leaving someone out. Yeah, I mean, I won't be surprised if Cavani gets left out. Actually, now that I think about it. So you're going to have Bruno. You're going to have Rashford playing up top. You're going to have Pogba on the left. And you're going to have Greenwood on the right. I guess a, a little bit of this depends on if Ole keeps an eye out for the following fixture that would come on the Thursday against Roma. And so if Ole says for that match, I want Cavani 100% ready to go. Because we know how much of a priority winning that semifinal is going to be. Then maybe I could see Cavani taking a similar role as we saw in this match against Burnley. Where he comes on for the second half. If need be even. You know, obviously there was a need for him in this one. But we'll have to see how that one plays out against Leeds. Yeah, and you know, Leeds are going to play into our hands, I think, with the counterattack being wide open for us with the way the game goes. And so having that pace up front with both Rashford and Greenwood is going to be a tantalizing prospect. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head because when we recap that match, Matt Bamforth, who was kind enough to join us, he said plan B is to do plan A better. So I don't think Bielsa will be looking at that scoreline and saying, oh, we need to do something differently. He'll just be saying we have to do better. So... Again, a tasty fixture to look forward to. That's going to wrap it up for this one. A reminder, we are on Twitter and Instagram at RedCouchManx. If you enjoy the show, please go ahead and hit that subscribe button and join us after every match. Reviews and ratings are greatly appreciated. On behalf of Carl and myself, thank you for listening to Red Couch Manx.